Evening, everyone. This is Rafa speaking on your weekly show, Student Radio Maastricht, on RTV Maastricht 107.5 FM. Um, this is our second hour right now, and we will be talking about Ukraine. With me in the studio, we have Vitaly and Julia, both from Ukraine. Say hi, guys. Hello. Hi. And Eugenia, who will be talking about the refugee cases also in relation to the Ukraine. And thank you, Sham, for being our technician. It's always fabulous. <laughs> um, so guys, without further ado, I would like to introduce us to the topic. Um, as most of us know nowadays, Ukraine, the second biggest country in the Europe, the eighth biggest population-wise in Europe as well, is under invasion from Russia. Invasion by Putin, invasion of aggression with a lot of war crimes happening. And despite that, we don't want to bore you or like uh, make you focus on another doom scrolling. You have other organizations for that. If you really want to see what's happening on the ground, go watch Al Jazeera, go read The Guardian or whatever. 
Um, our point today is to actually like get you closer to actual culture and history of Ukraine. So um, with that, Vitaly, hi. Hello. Where are you from? I'm from Ukraine. And Kiev. where in Ukraine are you from? The capital. The capital, Kiev. Yeah. And what brings you here, actually? I'm currently studying my bachelor's mm -hmm. at the MSP. Mm -hmm. and trying to do some biotech, I don't know. <laughs> are you a recent uh, newcomer to the city, or? Yeah, more or less. Mm -hmm. Haven't even been a year here. Mm -hmm. So tell me, like, how does the situation affect you nowadays? I mean, um, for me, my situation is slightly easier than others because my parents are in Belarus, and so they're kind of far away from the fighting. Mm -hmm. But the rest of my relatives are in a very tough situation. Mm. And my aunt has fled the country, while my the rest of my family is still in Kyiv. So yeah, it's really stressful. I call them like almost every day to see how they are. So you're in touch with them? Definitely. Yeah. So for now, like so, because I've heard that there are some issues also like with the with the connections, internet, and whatnot. But like so mm -hmm. far, it is working. Yeah, more or less. All right. Um, I invited you here because you are one of the people who were involved in the protests recently. Um, there were actually at least two of them so far, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and from what I understand, there is uh, there's actually quite some. Uh, Ukrainian people here in the Netherlands as well. Like, I mean, I worked with at least several of them. Um, could you tell me more about uh, Ukraine in the first place? Like, give us like some brief yep. insight of, like, how did the country came to be? And you know, first things first. I think, like, the fact that we have a radio show today, 9th of March. Mm -hmm. Today is a historic day because today is the birthday of Taras Shevchenko. He was Off. born in Tras Shevchenko. Tras Shevchenko. He was mm -hmm. born on the 9th of March, 1814. And he's basically a symbolic figure in Ukrainian history who was fighting for Ukrainian independence from the Tsarist Russia. Mm -hmm. And so he was, most of his life, he spent as a slave or as a serf. And, uh, you know, he all wrote poetry about Ukraine, about people's lives. He wrote about how Ukraine was always in captivity by Moscow and how Ukraine will eventually find its way in the world, even though Ukraine was back then still part of the Tsardom of Russia. Mm -hmm. And so he was really persecuted, and he only spent 14 years of his life as a free man, while the rest of the 50 years of his life he spent fighting for Ukraine in uh, basically labor camps and as a uh, serf, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's one of the things that like we Polish people also have I guess in common like the constant fight for independence i must admit when i tried to find some facts that like make us connected on the hey po polish and people uh, polish and ukrainian people all together mm -hmm. sadly enough our history doesn't look so bright also from us polish people being assholes like throughout the history yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um well hopefully we can make amends man amends now um uh, whatever brings us together does um julia where are you from I'm from Kyiv as Vitaly. Uh -huh. Yeah, and here I'm also studying at MSP on the first year of bachelor. Yeah. Did you guys know each other in Kyiv or no, no, uh, not no. in Kyiv. It's like Kiev. your city, right? I think it's like three million people. Or well, that's the official estimate, but actually okay. no, it's eight. But yeah, eight million. I mean, that's like the unofficial estimate. Yes. Oh wow, it's a pretty big city. <laughs> Good Eugenia. Yes, hi, I'm Eugenia. I'm uh, a third year ELS student from Germany, originally from Ghana. 
And uh, yeah, today I will be mostly here to talk about the treatment of uh, of uh, the people of color that are also trying to escape the war in Ukraine. Yes, because it's like all those topics that I honestly omitted me. And thanks to your stories, I've learned. And overall, there is like more and more coverage about that. But it's not uh, just the white refugees. It's also like people of color who are facing uh, issues when it comes to like the overall situation. Mm -hmm. I would like to make a disclaimer for you because Eugenia asked me or like she, she was like, should I make a disclaimer? As you said, you have no stakes in the war and you actually don't want to uh, bash anyone for supporting the refugees. You just want to make a point that there is more to the situation than what it originally seems, right? Yes, thank you. Mm. So with that being said, we are going to move on to discussion about Ukraine, its history, its genesis. I want to hear about food. I'm a chef myself, so I'm very curious about like hearing what's your favorites and whatnot. Um, before that, we are gonna jump to a song, which is called uh, Nadia Ye. How do you say that in Ukrainian? Nadia Ye. Okay, very similar, right? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, the song is called uh, by Madheads XL. Originally Madheads, and then they reformed and they added XL to their names. So please have a listen. There's gonna be mostly Ukrainian music today. Something that never dies Whoa, my 
Hello, hello, this is Rafa again on SRM on air, RTV Maastricht 107.5 FM. You just heard Matt Heads XL and their song Nadia, yeah? Um, so we are talking about Ukraine today, and as I said, instead of talking about what's happening there on the ground right now, which we're also going to touch a bit um, later, I would like our listeners to get to know Ukraine a bit more, get to know the history and whatnot. Um, Vitaly, you had some fun facts about the song in the first place. Yeah. yeah. This one. I mean, the first and the second song, really. I mean, this song, it was a very popular song during the Orange Revolution in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. That happened in 2004, where people went out to basically abolish the draft in Ukraine, mm-hmm. which was like one of the first pointers that set us apart from Russia. That was, no, like was it 2004 or 14? Four. Four. Oh. Orange Revolution 2004, uh-huh. the revolution of the Euromaidan in 2014. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. We had quite a lot of revolutions. It's uh, mm. it set us on a path towards independence, and we're still fighting for it. Well, know. hopefully you will gain it, guys. Like, the, we are standing with you. But let's talk about the actual history of Ukraine, because um, one of the main points of Putin and his, like, rumbling speeches, um, the guy is pretty, like, out of his mind, um, from bystander position as mine. Um, he claims that you guys are essentially non-existent country that has no right to exist, has no history, no traditions, no whatnot. Um, could you shed some light on it, please? Yeah, I think it's really just, I mean, very hard to believe that someone would come up with this. I would assume like Putin is very, I don't know, educated man, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But really, the facts are completely wrong and I have no idea who is feeding him that version of history. Well, he's old, right? But he's yeah, 69 he's years old, so I guess... Uh, yeah. But still, doesn't excuse that. But yeah, no, Ukraine's history was basically... I mean, we were the first, right? Let's get that clear. The, the Kievan Rus yeah. was, was the medieval um, basic you know, state on the territory of Ukraine right now. Mm-hmm. Kiev origin Kiev, which mm-hmm. is the capital of Ukraine, not Russia. It's you know? there, right? Yeah, it's, it's still in there. The it's name, still, by the way, Mr. Putin. It's still standing, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It exists. Kiev exists. But yeah, uh, it was first, basically, Vikings came down from the north, actually established a city first in Novgorod, which is current-day Russia. Vikings? Mm-hmm. Okay. The Rurik dynasty, basically, were Vikings, yeah. Mm-hmm. But then um, Daniel Rurik basically died, and his brother, Oleg, then went to Kiev <laughs> to establish what is now known as the Kievan Rus. Mm-hmm. And it has existed for... A long time, um, culturally, lots of stuff. It was it was actually not really like a, a country. It, it was it was a bunch of city states. Mm-hmm. So it was surrounding the Revlians, like lots of other communities that basically were under this overarching, um, you know, Kiev and Rus. Mm-hmm. But they lived kind of peacefully in coexistence and uh, shared culture, lots of you know their own traditions. Like the first song that you actually um, played. The, the shum, shum. Yeah. shum is actually a traditional song that Ukrainian women played. Uh, well, not 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 with the, mu- the instruments. They didn't have those back then, you know. Mm. But um, they sang it. And the shum first Eurovision in yeah. year thousand. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and basically, shum means noise, right? And it was uh-huh. like a, it was like a calling to the spirits of the spring to stop the winter and basically so spring can come faster. And yeah, they also sing a lot about you know planting hemp. Because hemp really? is very say you say you say you say you konopelku. That that's basically <laughs> sowing so 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 some hemp. Basically. You guys were ahead I know, of we were, your time. Okay, we way. were first. Okay, before even Netherlands, you know, had all that stuff. You know, we were first. Okay, then but I guess it's maybe Netherlands is not a country right, at this right. point. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> but no, it's hemp was really like, useful for paper and agriculture and so on and so forth for medicine. Yeah, and so 
Ukraine's history really is very confusing in the sense that we, it's just not a constant state, right? We were always under different territories in different periods of time. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the uh, first came the Mongol Horde, the mm-hmm. Golden Horde, yeah. completely destroyed Kiev and Rus. And um, basically, we were then engulfed into Poland for the Polish Lithuanian Commonwealth and so on and so forth mm-hmm. uh, for the next upcoming hundreds of years. And so Ukraine was just part of different, you know, parts of different countries. And so our culture is really, really mixed, as you can see by our geography and so on and so forth. We have lots of like, you know, Polish people and so on and so forth in the West, the Russian speakers in the East. But it's also to do with a lot of Stalinist regimes and their weird... Um, and Soviet reforms. Russia in the end as well, yeah, like as yeah. well, which was, which is actually, I think, the main talking point for, um, well, for Putin nowadays. Yeah. But I think the main thing to understand is that and what I said in my speech last time, mm-hmm. you know, Ukraine really, even though we've been be everywhere in every single possible like, arrangement, in every single territory engulfed by people, we've always tried for our own independence. And um, that struggle still continues, you know. When Ukraine was forming, uh, Ukraine was formed by a groups of people who were persecuted. They were basically Orthodox people living in Poland who were persecuted because they were Orthodox, not Catholic. Yeah, they were people that. from Crimea who were slaves by the Khanate, who were, who were basically running away from slavery. And so they all went to the Ukrainian steppes, and they banded together and made basically what we now know as the Hetmanate. So, so it was essentially like a safe haven, yeah. almost, for, for all the prosecuted like, ethnic groups and exactly. whatnot. Exactly. And the Hetmanate, unlike any other territory around it, respected freedom a lot. Whereas, you know, um, everyone around had a monarch. Mm-hmm. The Tsar had a... So the Russia had a Tsar at the time. The Polish had a king. Mm-hmm. You know, Ukrainians, the Hetmanate, back then had the Hetman, which was an elected official where uh, the people could vote. Noblemen, clergy, all had the right to say the Council of Elders was established. It's kind of like a hierarchical system, but it still had a democratically more or less elected mm-hmm. official at the start. Uh, and so, yeah, that's basically... When they all banded together, created this hetmanate, and what really drove the Kamilinsky revolution was was uh, yeah, Polish people getting kind of afraid that Ukraine would have this much power mm. back then because it was still part of Poland, that Polish Lithuanian Commonwealth back then, and um, basically they tried to assassinate lots of people and they killed the son of uh, Bogdan Kamilinsky, who was. Um, basically the hitman, and he got angry, kind of, and so on and so forth. You had the Khmelnytsky uprising, and then the war against the Polish people began, and our fight for independence again. And so that's basically created a ton of wide range of historical events where we fought against the Polish, then we got engulfed by the Russians under the Treaty of Periaslov, and we were constantly mixing about in different regions of the world. Well, wow. See, like, that's one of the things that, for example, I wasn't really aware. Being Polish myself is like, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm, I'm terribly sorry. Um, you've managed us. Hopefully you will manage Russia as well. Um, let's get back to our history, to your history. Also, um, more traditional things. I wanna, again, next time we're going to talk about food and whatnot. Uh, but before that, let's jump to a song by, I think the name is Okean Elzi. Not sure if I pronounced it correct. Um, and the song is Not Your War. How do you say that in Ukrainian? Netwoja Vina. Netwoja Vina. Oh, that's curious. In Polish, Vina means default. But okay. No, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Guys, please enjoy, and we will be back with you in a few minutes.
Hello, hello. This is Rafa, still here, still in the studio, still talking about Ukraine with my guests Vitaly, Yulia and Eugenia with Sham as the tech. The song, the song you just listened to was by Okean Elsie uh, and the song's name is Not Your War. Vitaly, I'm ashamed you, you took over my spot essentially. <laughs> I'm not even sure what I'm doing here as a host. Um, please explain yeah, your um, feeling about the song. This song is very, like, I guess, nationalist song. It mm-hmm. was made in 2014 during the Maidan Revolution, where we kind of ousted our pro-Russian president in favor of a president. Was it Yanukovych or? Yeah, Yanukovych. yeah it was Yanukovych, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So we kicked him out to get some more uh, closer to Europe, I guess, which was our dream. Mm-hmm. The song itself is, um, well, and then the war happened afterward, right afterwards, because he sent an email to Putin. He's like, please help me invade Ukraine and give me back my throne, you know. Mm-hmm. And so he took over Crimea and started the war in Donbass. And so Not Your War is literally, well, I can just translate the lyrics. Uh, most, you know, uh, basically it's, it says, uh, Mother, to whom were we praying to? How many more children will you let go to die for this thing that you call Not Your War? Mm. And so it's basically saying that people weren't doing enough to support the war and they were just, you know, oh, who cares, you know? But you have people, this song was made to, for people to understand that this war will affect you. And that it's it's not just, you know, the war. It's it is your war. It is your war, of course. And yeah, and so it's kind of like a call to action to every Ukrainian back then when the war began. Mm-hmm. So it's still a very very popular song. If I ask, how old are you guys, Vitaly, Yulia? I'm eighteen. Eighteen. Nineteen. Nineteen. Um, do you guys remember where were you when the Maidan was happening in 2014? Sorry, Eugenia. But <laughs> <laughs> do, 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 you, do you remember where were you? <laughs> no, I'm twenty-three. Twenty-three. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, I was in Kiev. My school was literally in the center of the of the city, mm-hmm. so I would go every day through the Maidan, and just exp- yeah. Yeah, I also was living in Kiev at that time, and uh, uh, I have been to the uh, to the second protest, which was with millions of people. Mm-hmm. Like there was the first protest that was made by students mm-hmm. that were punched by the government, and after that there was like a really really big protest with millions of people from all country, and I have been to that protest. Yeah. So you went there with your parents, uh, I Yeah, suppose. with my parents, so, yeah. with all my family, yeah, but then after this protest it started to be too dangerous, yeah, and... Uh, because, yeah, that's true, because you're saying that the protesters were being, like, punched, beaten, I suppose, by the police or, like, yeah. the governmental forces. Like, I just remember at some point it got very brutal as well, right? With yeah. uh, snipers being deployed by the pro-regime, yeah. yeah. Well, lots of, yeah, so people died, yeah. We have the heavenly hundred... Course, the heavenly hundred. All right, could you wall. mention that actually? Because I, yeah. it keeps popping up. The heavenly hundred. Who? Yeah. So these were just people who have died during the revolution and who have a tablet in the center of the city with mm-hmm. their faces and their names to mm-hmm. remember them. Yeah. Heroes. True heroes. Um, guys, uh, we still need to talk. I, I want to talk more about the traditional Ukrainian things. Um, Vitaly, let's mm. get away from war <laughs> for like next one, two minutes. Uh, what's your favorite traditional Ukrainian food? My food? Made by your babushka I'm or... Do you guys call them babushkas? Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, between okay. ourselves. But <laughs> okay. I think my favorite food is um, going to be dirunui. Dirunui, okay. Dirunui is a Slavic, kind of like a Western Slavic um, food. Mm-hmm. It's also popular in Belarus. It's called Dranik in Belarus and Dirunui in Ukrainian. Mm-hmm. And it's a very simple traditional recipe. It's just potatoes, onions, 
egg flour. It's like the simple <laughs> stuff. Traditional you know, Polish stuff as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, people, you know, back then didn't have much. Yeah. Just those four ingredients, just mashed them together. And basically, they would fry them and they would make these potato pancakes. Oh. And when you eat these potato pancakes with like sour cream, it's absolutely amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, 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 ratuchy, I think we call ratuchy. them in Polish. I may, I may be wrong now, mm-hmm. but because I haven't them, had them for ages, but it does sound like, I mean, it's the base ingredients of yeah, everything. Yeah. Julia, do you have any favorite foods? Uh, yeah, maybe borscht. Borscht is borscht. A, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's traditional uh, food of Ukraine. Like it is as a soup, but it is with uh, uh, beetroot. So that's why it is like red. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you guys eat the eat it with? Uh, in Poland, we eat them with ushka. As it's like those tiny pierogies or like pierogies. I don't know how you guys uh, call them. Yeah. yeah. We usually yeah. eat with bread. Like oh, traditionally, it is like with bread and garlic. Oh. I mean, it still tastes this is fabulous. When I'm really, I don't know, it's weird because in Polish, your pierogi yeah. is like our pilmeni. So, yes. Oh, it's <laughs> I thought it's pierogi. That's how you guys call our it. Pierogi, pierogce, it's, yeah. it's like the, the, the bread oh. with, with the thing inside. Oh. That's why I was always Polish people and I get confused when I say pilmeni, okay. pierogi. Okay. Good no. that we got that clarified because no, I was yeah. talking shit apparently for like the whole time. <laughs> no, 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 it's Polish. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Oh, Eugenia, you have any Ukrainian f- favorite Ukrainian food? Uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> no, I no? don't. No, okay, it's good. We'll, we'll get you some. It's good. <laughs> we, we, are, we are gonna get you to the to the level. Um, with that being said, let's jump to another song before we talk about the refugee cases in Ukraine, and not only because I want to expand our talk. Um, it's by Taisia Povali, if I'm reading it right, and the song is Cheremshina, which means. It's a type of tree that's in Ukraine. Oh, yeah. Okay. Fabulous. Guys, please enjoy. Yeah. 
this is Rafa speaking, still speaking about Ukraine with my guests Vitaly, Yulia and Eugenia, um, which I'm on the deck. Um, the song you just listened to was by Tasia Povaline, uh, by the name of Cherem Shina, which is apparently a type of tree. Mm-hmm. What's the name, English name of the tree? Oh man, <coughs> I have no idea. Okay, actually. okay. <laughs> the man was supposed to be saving my astral the whole episode, <laughs> and now, 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 now. Dude, I you might even have this tree. It's like <laughs> super Ukrainian tree. I don't know. Um, but le- le- let's get serious. Um, so, as I said, I wanted to talk about mostly historical facts and like to let people know that there is much more to Ukraine than just this stupid war. Um, but sadly enough, there's also a refugee crisis happening as we speak. I mean, the refugee crisis, which is not really a recent thing. We've had a refugee crisis since when, Eugenia? <laughs> when, since when? ever. Yeah, since ever. Since ever. So, do you want to shed some light on why are you one of the guests now? Yes. Without disclaimers. <laughs> so, practically, there are two sides to what I wish to talk about. First of all, the hypocrisy of the media. Mm-hmm. And second of all, the treatment of uh, of people of color, black and people of color, brown people, trying to escape the, the war like everybody. So, yeah. Yeah, because like, you can see that how we had... Uh, when did the Syrian conflict started with like the massive exodus as well? Could you... I remember, I remember the huge like influx of uh, Syrian refugees coming into Germany in 2015 mm-hmm. and the reception of it, how people, how people were talking about it. People were disgusted by having so many people coming into their homes, taking away their job taking mm-hmm. away everything, their food, their mm-hmm. jobs and everything. And uh, yeah, we can see a clear contrast here. We can see a clear contrast manifesting. And don't get me wrong, this is uh, the way people are receiving Ukra- Ukrainians. This is the way to go. This is how humanity should work. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is... Uh, this is wonderful to see the solidarity that is happening right now is marvelous however your solidarity should not stop by the color of someone's skin Mm -hmm. so this is something that i really wish to bring forward today because it's uh, in uh, one week refugee like refugee refugees have been yeah, because people don't understand that it's like it's not the skin, the color of your skin that matters. Like it, no one, yeah. no one escapes their country willingly. Exactly, right? and Not that being a refugee doesn't mean that you are a person of color or that you are black. And all black people are refugees. When you're being a refugee, you are escaping something from your home country. It's something that happens to you, and it's not who you are. And uh, the. In one week, people of color and black people have been called uncivilized, uneducated, and uh, and stupid because by by people that are trying to show solidarity to Ukrainians and why there is such a huge and massive support for the country. And uh, don't get me wrong, yes, there should be solidarity, but you shouldn't be comparing those different um, different sufferings of people. And by and by, yeah, you cannot quantify it. Yeah, you like. cannot just quantify it like that, and you cannot dehumanize people by showing so, uh, solidarity to another group of persons. Yeah, in defense of uh, of 
probably uh, at this point uh, the border guards, whether it comes to like Polish border guards or the that, uh, Ukrainian government, uh, after the massive backlash, I think there there were additional uh, sources and resources and yeah. phone numbers activated specifically for foreign exactly. students and whatnot. But it's a bit of a shame that I actually needed to have this backlash in the first place, right? Yeah, you you need to fight for your humanity before being accepted as one like last um the last uh, yesterday i was mm. seeing a video where a congolese man actually was negated to enter into a train but was given a gun by those <laughs> by those uh, by those border patrol he was like no you're not allowed to escape but fight with us fight for us and i'm like i'm really i'm really surprised like you don't want them to escape you want you don't want them to escape but you want them to fight for you and uh, i saw another video of a man saying that they they prefer their pets before a human being he had to stand up from his seat to allow a man and his pet to sit down and these are videos that i see on an everyday basis imagine being on the, at the train station and wanting to leave but they block you they block you from leaving they will tell you ukrainians only and you have to fight and you have to you have to you have to fight with a fight bribe or if it there wasn't any international backlash from our ambassador for the, for people for common people like us then then there wouldn't be any improvement until now. We wouldn't have seen any improvement until now. Do you think that this whole situation of like how uh, European or like not just European countries are responding to the current uh, refugee crisis, could it open up people's eyes to the fact that refugees are refugees, no matter the skin color? Or do you think it's just a one-time fight? Uh, I think uh, I don't. I want to be optimistic and say this is the case, but this is obviously not the case. There is one reason, and like journalists have said it over and over, there is one reason that is such a solidarity with Ukrainian people because Ukrainian uh, Ukrainian people are seen as one of them. Brown and black people are still, until this day, you not know, seen as. Uh, worthy of solidarity mm. you see and um, i wish i i wish that uh, this would be the case that this will open the eyes of other people but yeah i don't have much hope mm. well i would still hope um let's see how the future i mean hopefully we won't have many more crises going on um we are gonna jump to a song Thank you, Virginia, for joining. Um, the song is going to be by Victor Pavlik, and it's called She is a Lady. Please enjoy.
Hello, hello, this is Rafa speaking, um, RTV Maastricht 107.5 FM with the weekly program Student Radio Maastricht. Um, we've been talking about Ukraine, um, some historical facts, the refugee issues, refugees of color mostly. I mean, refugees have issues overall, so let's not distinguish them by the skin color. Um, with me in the studio, we have Vitaly, Yulia and Eugenia. Thank you guys for joining me. Um, as I just told you, um, normally people have hard time or most of the time I have a hard time talking, you guys could use much more time speaking. So hopefully we're gonna continue with some podcasts and whatnot. Um, I would like us to wrap up the episode, um, have final words, post words and whatnot, uh, mention organizations that are involved in the current crisis. So first come, first serve. Vitaly, Yulia, Eugenia. Yeah, I'd have to say, first of all, for everyone that's listening, just really provide your support every kind of support you can provide mm-hmm. go to any of the protests donate anything you have you know this is not just our war this is a war that will basically impact it already impacts the entire continent not just the continent like right now also i mean we are talking about the increased prices like in the us right, or whatever right. but like so far it did have impact global impacts like yep. whether we like it or not we don't like it but yeah and so really ukraine has always fought for its independence and you know it's it's our wish to just get out of Russia's sphere and influence and you know you just got to help the people that are currently dying whose families have been lost who are currently separated from their family and trying to seek refuge in other countries you know it's just I guess a matter of humanity um, and just human decency yeah anything that you guys can do I, I can just right now tell you some organizations that might be able to please do um, please mention like how yeah. So first and foremost, uh, what I was telling to people is to donate to the army, because you know refugee and stuff is great, but you know the war is very expensive, and to defend ourselves we need uh, funds. So if you go and Google online, like uh, the National Bank of Ukraine has opened a bank account to support the army, and mm-hmm. so you can go there and just check it out. In terms of donations, there are two donation points in Maastricht. One opened recently at the LBB, mm-hmm. and so that works. Uh, I believe every day till nine. Or eight, it was eight, sorry. Um, and one point at Dubois Domain 30. And that's at the parking lot. They have received any kind of donations. I mean, donations in terms of like items. I don't mean money. Like uh, mm-hmm. if you have medical supplies, any kind of toys, basically diapers, anything, towels, blankets. blankets. Yeah, just yeah. first uh, items of first need of any kind. Mm-hmm. Uh, they work from 9 to what, uh, 6.30 on the weekdays. Hey, what's the street again? Dubois Domain 30. Dubois Domain. Okay. Yep. Anything else? Um, maybe I also would like to yeah. add that National Bank of Ukraine also opened their account for raising funds for the humanitarian uh, help for the refugees, mm-hmm. uh, for shelter, food, and medicine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you also can Google National Bank Ukraine humanitarian help, and you will find this account. There's enough options. Thank you, guys. Eugenia, you have someone? Yes, something also well? if you want to help the African community escaping the war, especially um, yesterday, um, one location point in Rotterdam was open and donation can be made from the 9th to the 21st of March um, during Sundays and Thursdays from 12 to 7 and Friday from 12 to um, 9. And you can contact Fyros Subak, you can um, Anita Abaisa or Omek, the organization, and also one 
there is a crowdfunding um, made by Center for International Justice in Berlin, also focused on the people of color and black, brown people um, fleeing from the war in Ukraine. It's a bit of a shame that we still have to have two distinct yes, funds. Yes, because obviously we are not made, uh, we, we are not part of the priority. So we have to. And again, make we, we are not judging. You also said yourself yeah. that you are not lambasting people. Yeah, Everyone of course needs help. not. Of I've, course I've heard not. some voices of like from both sides, like blaming one and another. Yeah. But that's not the point it's not, at all. Yeah, here. blaming is not the point. The point is helping everybody and making sure that everybody receives help. I'm pretty sure the student radio is going to post tomorrow, uh, make a story about all of the organizations that you guys just mentioned so that it's not lost on the radio. We're going to write it down so that you, can, you guys can have a look um, and hopefully support. Next time you're going out to LBB or wherever to have a beer, think that you can actually donate something, do something useful with your life as well. Um, and the post words, we have last one minute before we move on with the ending. And the final words to your families, to the brave Ukrainian defenders. And I think, yeah, I think that fuck Putin. Yeah, fuck Putin, yeah, <laughs> definitely, yeah. But I think really in Ukraine, everybody's doing their best, taking up arms, even though they don't know how to shoot and so on and so forth. Mm. So I really think, you know, we gotta do everything our best because people are fighting for a just cause. They're fighting against an unprovoked war. And I think everybody really please do support us because this war is, is really, really horrible. If you are interested in Ukrainian culture, a uh, couple of movies I could recommend as well. Yeah, do it. Um, please, please, please. About culture, by the way, music, right? There's mm -hmm. a very good f movie called The Guide, mm -hmm. Vodir, and it's about basically these blind musicians in Ukraine that told folk songs, but they were basically persecuted by Stalin because they, you know, spoke Ukrainian and sang Ukrainian songs. Mm -hmm. It's called The Guide. The guide. And if you want to basically a documentary for about the uh, Ukrainian um, revolution, 2014, there's a good movie called uh, Winter Fire, the F Winter and Fire. Mm -hmm. And lastly, the most epic one is called Cyborgs. Cyborgs, Cyborgs is basically a very, it's kind of a documentative real life, um, I guess, uh, film where um, volunteers during the war, people who weren't, weren't even in the army because we didn't have a good army back then. People just volunteered to go and fight against the Russian occupants in mm -hmm. 2014. And so they did basically went to this airport and for two weeks they held the siege against Russian forces. Sadly, all the war stories have like similar heroic attempts. And yeah. Okay, guys, thank you very much for joining me. I wish we had more time to speak because sadly our talks need to be broken up by songs. There's gonna be more episodes. Um, right now, me and my friend actually prepared something very obscure, very vulgar. It's a rewritten version of a letter from Zaporozhian Cossacks to the Ottoman. But this one is not from Cossacks, it's from us. And the Ottoman, well, you'll figure out who he is, right? And after that, we'll present you Ukrainian national anthem. Thank you, Vitaly. Thank you, Yulia. Thank you, Virginia. Thank you, Sham. Thank you, RTV Maastricht and Student Radio Maastricht as well. I'll see you guys next week. Thank you. Bye. 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 From us to Vladimir Putin. Oh, dictator, KGB stooge and damn devil's kith and kin, secretary to Satan himself. What the devil kind of failure are you that cannot conquer Kiev with your naked ass? The devil shits and your army fails. 
Thou shalt not, you son of a whore, make subjects of Ukrainians. They have no fear of your army. By land and by sea they will battle with thee. Fuck your mother. You authoritarian scurrion. You grew con man, brewer of lies, invader of Georgia, swineherd of Belarus, killer of civilians, murder of your own, and fool of all the world and underworld. An idiot before us, grandson of the serpent, and the crick in our dick. Pig's snout, mare's arse, slaughterhouse cur, unchristened brow, screw thine own mother. So we, the people, declare you a lowlife, and promise you won't even be herding pigs in Siberia. Now we'll conclude, for we don't know the date of your downfall. The moon's in the sky, the year with us. The day looks the same in Ukraine as it does in Russia. For this, kiss our ass. <laughs>